No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for downloading and listening. I'm Frank Salvato. Now, Maine. The election authority in that state, Secretary of State Sheena Bellows, has decided unilaterally that Donald Trump should be removed from the federal election ballot in Maine because he is an insurrectionist. Mind you, in no court, in any state, anywhere in the United States, has a charge of insurrection been leveled against anyone, let alone Donald Trump. So, no insurrection conviction against anyone has been registered. Officially, legally, there has been no insurrection as qualified by the United States Constitution. Therefore, there is no legal, read legitimate, basis to invoke Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bars insurrectionists from running for the presidency, among other federal offices. One can only hope that the United States Supreme Court still recognizes the U.S. Constitution as the law of the land, and fast-tracks a rebuke of Colorado's Supreme Court in their ruling to remove Trump from their state ballots and Ms. Bellows. There is no other interpretation that can be legitimate but to declare that there has been no adjudication of insurrection, and thus no due process to affect Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. The actions in Colorado and Maine are unconstitutional and unlawful, and, quite frankly, they all know it. An interesting note about Bellows. In Maine, voters don't elect the Secretary of State, Attorney General, or Treasurer. Elected majority Democrat Party insiders choose them after deals are made in those smoky back rooms at the State House. As of December 2023, Maine has a Democrat trifecta and a Democrat triplex. Democrats control the offices of governor, secretary of state, attorney general, and both chambers of the state legislature. So, as the thinking people among us have suspected all along, these are political moves to deny political opponents the right to run for office. And while societally spoiled assholes like Rob Reiner, Barbara Streisand, George Takai, and Kathy Griffin screech about Trump's insurrection, that label, as applied by them, is nothing more than wishful thinking on their parts. Newsflash. Each of those ignoramuses who swore and promised and threatened to leave the United States if Donald Trump won in 2016 failed to keep their word. The serious point in all of this is the attempt to deny ballot access to political opponents without due process, without any constitutional point of order on which to hang that action. These acts are the actions of third world dictators and the likes of Mao, Stalin, Xi, and Putin. What comes next from progressives, who should now be called neo-fascists in the mainstream? Assassinations? Exiles? And before anyone defending these actions starts revving up their Trump derangement, take note that the DNC did exactly the same thing 
to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They attempted to hobble his primary candidacy to such an extent that a Kennedy, a Kennedy, has left the Democrat Party. Cheryl Atkinson has a great podcast on just this subject, and it's linked in the text. The truth is this. The Democrat Party is not the party it was 30 years ago. And traditional Democrats exist without a political party. Today's Democrat Party is an oppressive, abusive, constitution-hating, fascist brand that wants to see the republic hobbled, the elites ranked untouchable, and the middle class disappeared. Their leadership, globalists and elitists all, want lords and serfs. Democrats used to pretend they cared about voting rights and free speech. These acts in Colorado and Maine prove the exact opposite and do so to the extent that Kennedys are leaving the Democrat Party. One question remains. Why aren't congressional Republicans standing shoulder to shoulder using a unified voice aggressively to attack these unconstitutional acts? Sadly, I think we know the answer to that question. Coming up, our current segment on America's Third Watch. I'm Frank Salvato. Don't go anywhere. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi. I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. And let's go ahead and bring in Frank Salvato from UndergroundUSA.com. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. <laughs> Good morning. Well, are, are you also uh, going to be having um, uh, a quiet kind of celebration or... Uh, or uh, what? Uh, what's your typical New Year's Eve sort of festivity? <laughs> My typical New Year's Eve festivity. <laughs> in, the, in the old days, I probably would have gotten home about January third. <laughs> these uh, these days, uh, yeah, I'm lucky to see midnight. If I'm not popping the cork at nine o'clock, there you so. go. <laughs> well, I I hear you. I really hear you. And uh, well, you know, we've been talking this morning too about you know the uh, the potentiality of these protests turning very very bad. Uh, it, it's almost expected in New York New York City. Uh, we don't want anything to go wrong there at all. Uh, and Times Square where they drop the ball and so many people come out to revel and have a great time and have that experience, you know, uh, to be there. But, uh, what, what do you, what's your take on this? What do you think is, uh, might happen? I think we're feeding off the, uh, the fruits of a poison tree here that we ourselves created. If, if law enforcement would have moved in two years ago when we had the BLM riots, when we had Antifa in the streets, and there would have been consequences for bad actions, 
people wouldn't be biting their nails about Times Square and and the other major urban areas where they celebrate New Year's Eve in mass and in the town centers. But now, you know, we've got protesters who protest uh, pro-Hamas things. We've got people who are still trying to protest BLM. We've got people protesting anything they're disgruntled with. And we don't know how far they're going to go because inadvertent violence seems to have been accepted as an expression of emotion these days instead of criminal acts. So we have to put up with what's coming. Now, would I be down in Times Square in New York? No, I wouldn't. I, I just, I, I wouldn't. Um, if, there, if the threats weren't there, I, I don't do that anymore at my age. But right now, if, if you're just a reveler and you want to go down to Times Square to see the ball drop, you better be looking over your shoulder because the police response is handcuffed. Right. People people are empowered to to use violence as an expression, as I said, as an emotional expression. And and what's going to happen? Do we get slapped on the wrist? New York doesn't even arrest anybody. They don't prosecute anybody anybody anymore. Right. So what's going to happen? Right. Exactly. Well, it's definitely you know we got our um, you know fingers crossed, of course, but. Uh, but what because what you just mentioned too about the other riots that had happened, the BLM riots and so forth, uh, that did set the, uh, a, a precedent, right, in terms of reaction, in terms of attitude, of of how these things get dealt with, and cities were burning, and uh, it's went on and on. Well, not only that, these people, you know, let's let's harken back to the BLM riots where Antifa joined in just because they could. You know, you had the city blocks on fire, and the next day, there weren't calls for, we have to find the people who did this and punish them. The next day, you had elected officials coming out saying, we have to defund the people who should have arrested the people who set the buildings on fire. Right. I know. You know, so we've been conditioned, our society has been conditioned to say, well, you know, it's New Year's Eve, We, we better expect something to burn. It's the Fourth of July. Uh, you know, people are going to be protesting those those evil white men who had slaves. Something's going to be destroyed. They'll be pulling down statues. You know, the, these these events that are supposed to be celebrations have turned into the celebrations have turned into violent protest. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. It, it really is ridiculous that it's come to this. And I have to lay that at the feet of not only the people who've tolerated, who go to the ballot box to vote for people who tolerate this stuff, but you have to lay it at the feet of, of the elected officials who are so panty waste to enforce the laws that they just routinely roll over and say, well, you know, I, I, I guess it burned. We're going to have to see what their grievance was and, and enable them to enable them to whine about it a little bit more. <laughs> no kidding. Well, Frank Silvato, stay right there because we're going to start hitting the break here. When we come back, everybody, we've got more to talk about with Frank. UndergroundUSA.com, that's the website. He's also the author of the book, Nullification. And if you have a question or comment for Frank, call us up, 949-822-7959. Kyle Warren with you. We are racing through the brightest last week in edition.
They're funding abortions, demanding Americans comply with their woke climate agenda. They teach people that the U.S. is a system of white supremacy while stripping away your Second Amendment rights. A California Democrat? No. It's Bank of America under CEO Brian Moynihan. There's enough people pushing political agendas in America. Your bank shouldn't be one of them. Bank of America. Their lies start with their name. Nike is constantly political. Why? Cover. Congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe, Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. We hope that you have uh, some great New Year's plans, whatever they might be. We hope, of course, we're very safe and happy and, of course, a prosperous New Year. Although, with Bidenomics in force, uh, Frank, I'm not sure... <laughs> If that's if that's going to be possible, what do you think? Well, if if we're talking about the fact that your 401k is not what it was two years ago, then uh, then we can discuss a little bit. But uh, your <laughs> dollar's not going as far as it used to. So, and, and you'll notice that the Biden team has started backing away from that a little bit. The, the Bidenomics bumper sticker, the saying, isn't front and center in their in their propaganda at the moment. I think they they understood it was not a not going to be a useful tool for them. Well, indeed. Well, even uh, Biden before he went off to uh, uh, St. Croix, right? Uh, he he. Uh, it was a couple of days ago, right? He says, you know, you're not reporting the economy right. He says to the reporters gathered outside the White House. And I was thinking, this again, this is old Uncle Joe-type stuff. Like, you know, you're not doing it right. Now get out there and do your job kind of a thing. Yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of like when, when Mao went through the Red, the Red Revolution over there, what he said to the people who ran the papers and in the then new communist China saying, you didn't report the news correctly, so you, you, you're gonna disappear. Yeah. You know, and, and I do, and as an aside, I gotta ask this. If you get elected president of the United States and you have the privilege of living in the White House, why would you vacation? You've got four years to live in, in a piece of history. Yeah. This guy's taken more time away from the White House than he's spending in it. Well, I, I don't I, I don't understand that. If, if I were elected president, I'd want, to, I'd want to know everything about it, spend every minute that I could in there. They'd have to drag me away for official things. Because you have such a limited time in that building as the resident. No kidding. Well, it, yeah, I mean, taking the tour is one thing, but being able to live there, you know, it reminds me, uh, Dana Carvey, who used to do, of course, on Saturday Night Live, he did George H.W. Bush, you know, his uh, impression. He actually got to visit the White House in George H.W. Bush. And I remember him, just in a nutshell, he says he um, was showing them around a little bit, and there happened to be on the wall an actual copy of the Gettysburg Address. 
And Carvey points it out, and he says, the president says, yeah, there's stuff like that all over the place here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was very lucky back in the 70s when my class, my, my junior high school class, went to Washington. It was still open for tours. So we got to go through the White House. Not everywhere, of course, but you got to go through the White House. Even then, it struck me as an incredibly impressive building. So why, you know, this guy is either in Delaware or he's in the Caribbean or he's on Martha's Vineyard. You know, why would you want to spend that much time away from from being the chief resident of that building? I just don't get it. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, you know, talk about trying to get to that building and live there. Um, if Maine's Secretary of State has anything to say about it, Donald Trump would not be able to. But here we go. I mean, you know, now you got one person who's a political actor, by the way, who can simply say, no, I think you're an insurrectionist, and so you can't be on the ballot. Yeah, there's there's two questions, there are two statements, questions that come to mind, and, and this has to be asked in every venue where some moron like the Secretary of State of Maine is thinking about flexing his political muscle. Where was the adjudication that insurrection occurred? That is a good question, and there is what, what court in the United States said there was an insurrection and Donald Trump let it? Is there a local court? Is there a state court? Is there, where is it? The only adjudication that's come on this subject is, well, from the Colorado Supreme Court saying, well, because he was an insurrectionist, where was that adjudication? There was no adjudication. And, and the Secretary of State in Maine has absolutely no authority to just bestow that, that label onto what happened on January 6th. An insurrection usually... When you see a political insurrection in a country, it, it ends with the change of power or a violent slapdown of that, that attempt. There was no, no attempt to take over the government on January 6th. People were protesting electors being sent that were in question. That's our right to do that. Now, the people who smashed indoors, yeah, they got to pay a price. Mm -hmm. Just the way that is. That was a crime. But the crime of insurrection? No. It, it never took place. And there's not a court in our country that has, that has even attempted to try that as, as something that happened. So without that adjudication, the Colorado Supreme Court is well beyond it. It's way over its skis. Way over its skis. And the Secret Secretary of State in Maine? Uh, is marijuana legal up there for recreational use? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Well, well, of course, you know, having um, uh, having the uh, uh, the idea of insurrection, Dershowitz was talking about this, and he was saying, you know, you can look at this or that and say, oh, well, that protest, well, that's an insurrection. And he says he kind of knows when he sees it, and usually it's an armed, organized kind of thing. He said the Civil War fits that bill. It was an armed insurrection against the United States government. and uh, But this is not what we're seeing. He, he calls them protests that go bad, but they're not necessarily, quote, insurrections. So it actually kind of weakens the word. Absolutely. If we, if we want to go by the letter of the law where the definition of, of insurrection is concerned, it happened when the protesters, and I believe it was Portland, 
Portland or Seattle, at this point it's all starting to blend together. Mm-hmm. When they said, okay, this is a this is no longer in control of the government, this is our own government, it's the CHOP zone, there's no authority here for the state, the city, the police have no power here, this is, this is a, a government-free zone right here. That was insurrection. No one got arrested. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But so, of course, you're, so, so you're going to let that just go, and, and hey, let's defund the police on top of it. But you're going to say that people who were told, and if you if you watch the video of what Trump said in his speech, peacefully marched on the street and let our voices be heard. That's not a call to insurrection. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, but yet it's it's narrated that way. And it's oh. it's very uh, definitely done by by those who who you know created this whole notion because that way you have people out there who say oh well well he's an insurrectionist yeah he can't be on the ballot you know I'm so glad that these people are taking care of that for us to make sure that an insurrectionist doesn't get on you know that kind of thing. A, a, a question that I have and I had this back when they were talking about Obama's birth certificate too I did a lot of digging around on that subject to try to figure out. Who do you present these credentials to for validation? And in, in all of that, it came down to the parties that are nominating them. And they don't have any mandate to be transparent with you. So there's absolutely no validation process for credentials for people running for president. Now, with regard to the insurrection, who do you take that adjudication to to register it? Library of Congress? Supreme Court, Congress, who? The, co- the Constitution doesn't say who you have to present these adjudications to and who gets to enforce them. Right. And states, this is a federal election. Federal election law have to supersede anything that a state does. They certify the election and send their electors, but a federal election has to take place on a federal playing field, not a state playing field. So who is Colorado to say that in this federal election, we're just going to say you can't vote for this guy? That's disenfranchising their citizens from freedom of choice for their own leadership and government. Yeah, but it's, it's just because it's Trump. If it's Trump, then all the rules are just thrown out the window, and we don't have to worry about these things like due process or or going through these steps and machinations that you're describing because, you know, hey, this is all about Trump. It's not like it's about, you know, a Democrat or somebody like that. But, Frank, stay right there. Uh, Can you stick around for an extra segment? You bet. Absolutely. Okay, folks, stay right there. We've got a lot more to talk about. Bottom of the hour break coming up here. Caller, if you'd like to hold on, we'll bring you on with Frank Silvato when we come back from this brief interlude. Kyle Warren with you. 949-822-7959 on this Friday slash weekend edition. Stay right. You're listening to Underground USA. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap, and the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. 
Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar Brian Deese is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. Once again, folks, it is the Friday slash weekend edition, 949-822-7959. That's the number to call. If you have a question or comment for us here on the program this morning, or if you have a question or comment for our guest, Frank Salvato, undergroundusa.com is the website. And then also, of course, uh, he's also the author of the book, Nullification. So once again, welcome back, Frank Salvato. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, you know, I tell you what, we've had a caller that's been waiting there patiently, so I think they have a uh, a question for you, and we've got Rick in Tampa. And uh, Rick, good morning. You're on with Frank Silvato. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you and everyone else. I have a few things I need to point out. The uh, ignorance and apathy and the veneer of knowledge that hides the ignorance and the apathy is what's going to kill us as a country if it's going to happen. I can't believe that people are so concerned with the manners of the ex-president and hopefully the next president. But all that nonsense, the thing people need to understand is if the Democrats get control of the administration and the way we're going forward, we won't survive. So regardless of, I don't know, I'm, I'm almost at a point where I think that if Mr. Trump were to bow out and say, look, I want America great again, but I don't think they'll let me do it. So let's, I'm going to bow out. That might be a good thing, but, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'd like to be able to die and be sure that y'all are going to be all right. And I'm not sure. Well, well, hopefully that's not for a long time here, but yeah, I... I, Well, I I don't know. You know, I mean, the thing is, is we need to do something. It's our fault, our ignorance. I wish it was just a few people, but I can't help thinking it's damn near half of the voting public has absolutely little idea of why they vote and what the consequences of this election is. It's not just this election. It's been the last five or six at least, and going back before that. But it's ignorance and apathy, Mm -hmm. and it's going to kill us. And it's our own fault because it can be cured. Ignorance can be cured. Well, sure. It cannot be. Well, that's that's one of the reasons why we're here, (laughs) you know, because we're trying to set the record straight on things. We're trying to make sure that, you know, people have questions and they get explanations. And uh, we're trying to bring people over in the marketplace of ideas to our side. Wouldn't you say, Frank? Oh, yeah. Uh, I tend to agree more with Rick. <laughs> I think that we've reached a, a level of ignorance and apathy, especially especially generationally. I think starting with uh, with the tail end of the millennials going through Gen Z and the Gen Alpha, that uh, we've literally lost generations. But this is one of the reasons that I wrote the book, Nullification, is because we can't keep allowing 
the people who are using useful idiots to allow them to centralize power in the federal government. The government that affects you most is the closest government to you, period, dot. So if Florida gets its act, Texas gets its act together, and all of, all of the remaining states that lean towards the Constitution get their acts together, then you take that authority away from the federal government and make it moot in your state. And when all of a sudden the majority of states are seeing that they're keeping the majority of the tax dollars back in their states, and we get to actually affect change at a state level, which is much easier to do than at the federal level, we start starving the federal government. And when you get these elitist globalists uh, want to surrender sovereignty, World Economic Forum idiots elected to office, even on the right side of the aisle, they don't have the power to do what they want to do because the states have reserved it under the 10th and 9th Amendments mm-hmm. of the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Can I add something else? Sure, real quick. The um, war against bigotry it has to be fought, but it will never be won. There will always be an us and them and people, especially the weaker-minded people, need them to feel better than and that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to cure, but it starts with education. And I think maybe we need to start putting two teachers in every classroom, one with with the left uh, ideology and one with a right ideology to ba- balance out the curriculum. And we we could also put a video camera in every classroom so parents could monitor in real looking with their own eyes and ears to, uh, about what's being taught. We've yeah. got to get the, yeah. I don't think the teachers would ever teachers unions would never allow that, yeah. but I know what you're I know what you're talking about though, Rick. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know you what? Know. To do that you have to take charge. And when you take charge then you're called an authoritarian. <laughs> that's right. And I tell you what, Rick, let's let's let, let's, let's let Frank uh, quickly respond to that. Kyle, you had a great year, and we're looking forward to a better one. And Frank, you and I, I wish we could sit down and have a beer because I think we could tear up a conversation. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe one day, man. Maybe one day. Very cool. Thank you, Rick. Take care. Have a happy right, new year. You too. Bye bye. Right, take care. All right, that's uh, Rick in Tampa, and we appreciate him very much, Frank. And uh, he had uh, some pretty interesting things to say. We definitely um, had a lot to talk about there. I absolutely agree with him when it comes to having both sides taught in the classroom, but I think that needs to be reserved for uh, for college. I think if you're going to take a federal dollar, if you're going to take a tax dollar from a state, you should have to have an equal number of professors on both sides of the ideology so that you're offering a fully rounded education. Right now, with with the far left owning all the universities, there is no juxtaposition or or a debate on the points because the other side isn't being presented. So if you take if you take federal dollar or state dollar or county dollar one, you should have to have an equal balance of what you're teaching both sides of every subject. Period. Dot. Well, sure. Well, right now, you know, to some degree, there is quote the other side, but it's just used as a straw man. It's like, you oh, know, yeah, and, these conservatives, blah, 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 and then they just knock it down. And and that's, that's yeah, that's part of my point. But the straw men 
it's a wink and a nod. When when you have Victor Davis Hanson, who who teaches at I believe it's at Stanford. I mean, he he can't even speak on the campus outside of his classrooms because he gets shouted down. That's not an equal balance, right? That's not an equal balance. Give these give people a choice to hear both sides. Okay, one semester you get the left, the next semester you get the right, or one year you you, you know you have to have one hundred one and one hundred two. One hundred one is the left, one hundred two is the right. You know, you have to take the balance. Otherwise, you're not teaching critical thinking skills. And as far as grade school, junior high school, high school is concerned, they shouldn't be teaching ideology, period. They've got too much work to do (laughs) teaching the basics and critical thinking skills. There should be no politics in any of those grades except for U.S. and world history. And, again, that should be taught in a balanced manner. Yeah, but to the left, everything is politics. You know, they'd rather have you, you know, be indoctrinated into an ideology, a way of thinking, rather than have those skills that where you can actually make progress in the world once you come out of school. And this is where we should be using the Lemon Law a little bit outside of the box. If that's all we're getting, we're getting a defective product in our graduates. No kidding. Let's start suing them in the submission. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no reason if if a, if a product is defective and the product happens to be the education of a child, and that child comes out indoctrinated and jaded to one ideology only, it's a defective product. It has, it has not received, it has not received the ability to think critically. So if that's the case, look, start, people on the right have to start thinking outside the box here about how do you expect pain from people who are doing bad. You got that right. Well, Frank Silvato, UndergroundUSA.com, author of the book, Nullification. Hope that you have a very happy and safe new year, my friend. And we will talk with you next week. So we'll talk again soon. Happy new year, everybody. And Kyle will talk to you next year. Sounds good. Next year it is. Frank Silvato, everybody. If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com to sign up for our Substack, which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact-checkers, because we both know that they're worthless, and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at Amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.